You know, last week at this time, we talked about the JMU men really were in kind of a must-win mode with those two games this past week at home with uh, Louisiana Monroe on Saturday, but before that, um, trying to get a victory against Coastal Carolina, and they found ways to win. It wasn't the prettiest of basketball, but in, the, in, in league play, you just want to find a way to win, and that's kind of what they did last week, but um, two much-needed victories for the James Madison men. Yeah, and I mean, we've talked about it before. Um, they had two-game homestand earlier in the season where they did find ways to win against teams that, you know, they really probably could have or should have beaten at home. And it, it put them in a little bit of a hole. They needed to do it this week and get these two home wins against, you know, a couple of teams that, you know, Coastal Carolina's record isn't great, but there's some talent on that team. There's some size on that team. And then ULM has been playing really well since conference season started. They were coming off a big, big victory. At Marshall, um, and you know, JMU played kind of their vintage style of defense, where they shut down high-scoring guards, and um, yeah, really just kind of looked like what we would have expected from them at this point in the season. The one thing that I, I mentioned here earlier on the show, and I mentioned during the broadcast, but in the two games, they 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 did more than just contain their stars. They almost shut them down. Against Coastal Carolina, the big man didn't do anything. Um, Josh Udojay didn't do anything for Southern or for uh, for ULM. Their two guards had been playing phenomenal, and they didn't get to double figures. James Madison was able to really shut down the the top players on la- on the team last week for those two opponents. And I thought that was that was one of the most impressive performances that they had all season long defensively. Yeah, and, you know, both games, really, they faced guards that came in just absolutely red hot. You know, Josh Duje was the conference player of the week last week. He scored at least 25, I think, in three straight games. Yep. Uh, and Blackman from ULM uh, was coming off a 35-point game. He's been in double figures eight of the past nine. They held him to nine. on like, He only took seven shots. Um, similar with you. You do, Jay. He just didn't take a whole lot of shots against senior defense. And let's see that other guys have stepped up to certain degrees. But, I mean, what you can see is JMU, their players really bought into the the scouting report of, like, these are guys we want to slow down. We don't want them going off on us. Um, you, you mentioned that the big guy um, from Coastal, too. They did a really good job inside on him. I mean, really just across the board defensively, this weekend was impressive. Antonio Day had a really good game yes. for Coastal, and he's a really talented player who I'm surprised actually hasn't had more of those type of games in Sunbelt play, but it takes more than one guy to beat JMU when they're playing defensively that well. Is this, do you think, I mean, this should be sustainable, right? If if they want to win a Sunbelt championship, if they want to make the NCAA tournament, they've got to play like this. They're not good enough offensively. They're not. Con- I shouldn't say good enough. They're not consistent enough offensively to probably go, go, go be crazy, and maybe they could for one week. But if they can do this defensively, they can beat anybody. Yeah, and, you know, they've had these games where, you know, they shoot ridiculous from three, or at least for stre- have stretches where they shoot ridiculously well from three, and then they will go and not shoot very well for a game or two, and they really struggle. And this is sort of like a little bit of a turning point where they they didn't shoot particularly well from three. It wasn't terrible, but that wasn't what was carrying them. They were just not letting teams really get their offense. And, yeah, I think that is sustainable, and I think it's a pretty big sign that 
yeah, they didn't have to shoot incredibly well to have some success in a conference place. We're talking to Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. Read more of his stuff online, dnronline.com slash sports, as he's the JMU basketball beat writer. We'll talk some women's hoops here coming up as well. But, you know, the, we, we've talked a little bit about this, too, and I, I thought the minute distribution on Saturday is something that I, I think might continue. And it, it was the starters got – they all got at least 26 minutes, 26 to 30. Terrence Edwards got 28, so essentially he got starters minutes. And then Tyree Iannaccio had 15, Julian Wooden had 11, Terrell Strickland just played four and didn't play the previous game. I know he's battling some injuries. Um, Xavier Brown didn't play at all this past week. Do you feel like it's going to stay that way? If Alonzo Sule comes back, I think that changes, and and he and Amadi will probably split some minutes. But do you feel like it's kind of going to be like this the rest of the way, that they've kind of found their rotation and going to go with their main guys? I think so. And and like you said, if Amadi or if Sule comes back, he's going to get some minutes. I think that, like, really doesn't change a whole lot. Like you said, they'll, they'll split that time with um, with Amadi at the four. Um, he'll continue to kind of have a rotation with, uh, you know, Mezia Burrow just has solidified himself as a guy who needs to be on the court. He's going to play 25 minutes a game, I think, regardless going forward. Um, you can say that about the other four starters, really. Um, Terrell Strickland might be a little bit of a wild card if he, like, ever gets the minutes restriction lifted off of him because um, he's a guy who can do some things that you like. He brings that same kind of defense we were talking about earlier. Um, you know, offense is kind of hit or miss with him, but, you know, I I would imagine you're going to see him playing more than four minutes if he's ever fully healthy. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I think they have definitely settled into, like, this is our starting five. This is our, you know, next seven or eight who can get some playing time. But, you know, we're going to go with these guys, and a lot of those guys have earned it, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, talk about Noah Friedel, who came in, you know, we're kind of thinking he was just going to be a shooter, an offensive guy, and he's making all kinds of plays defensively, diving for loose balls, doing a lot of different things. Those five guys who have been in the starting lineup, plus Terrence Edwards, have really kind of earned the playing time they're getting right now. And, and Friedel, the, the moment late in the game, part of that 11 nothing run to, to close it out, where he gets the offensive rebound, relocates, Votto finds him, he hits the three, and that was that was probably the dagger. It made it a seven-point game. But then he comes down the next possession. They, they find him out of a timeout. Uh, I think Votto whipped the pass to him that time. He hits the three and gets fouled. I mean, he hadn't done much the entire game. He had made. You mentioned he he made some plays and did some different things and, and had a couple of fouls in the first half. But at any given time, he's going to be a threat and and can go on a quick run for for this basketball team. And that's huge for them to have a guy like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he really is. Abado's the same way. Yeah, like either one of those guys can score ten points in a couple minutes, and we've seen them do it um, at times. Um, yeah, that, that's a big thing. But, you know, when you talk about Fredell, he's also making those plays. He he, he had he a one where he just dived headlong on the sideline for a ball to win out of bounds. And, you know, aside from, like, maybe Tox Molson, I don't remember many guys you see just, like, are playing that all out constantly. Um, there, there are guys, they play, the whole team plays hard. But, you know, some of those guys just, you know, have to get to the ball. They just have that drive in them that the ball is available they're going to get to it and I've been kind of surprised that Fredell's turned out to be one of those guys for Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> Again we, we kind of thought he was just going to be a shooter that's it but he's way more than that. <laughs> yeah I mean I felt like in the 
Jason and kind of makes <laughs> yeah. the point that every time he talks about him, he said he's a really good offensive player. And yes. he never mentioned yes. it. Oh, maybe he was like sandbagging, like people that have the scouting report or something. I don't know, but like, or maybe that was his motivation uh, because he's really played hard on both ends of the floor. We're talking to Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record, talking to Jamie Hoops on this Monday. And you mentioned Talk Molson, him playing hard. He was 3-for-18 shooting last week, but he affected both games so much. He had 14 rebounds on Saturday. He had 9 on, on Thursday. He had 3 assists both games. He had 4 steals on Saturday. He's not shooting well right now, but, boy, he just makes winning plays. Yeah, he does. And, you know, we're talking about, we're talking about the defense being like it was when they are playing their best last year when they were playing their best mm-hmm. early in the season. And he's really a guy who who leads that. I mean, he's a guy who he just harasses his man all on the perimeter. And he's also got the size that he can, you know, body up with people down low. And, you know, he hasn't gotten a kind whistle recently. <laughs> no. I mean, he's been in some foul trouble. He, you know, he still is, like, among the, uh, the conference leaders in free throw attempts because he – are fouls drawn because he, you know, is a big, strong guy who goes to the basket. But, I mean, you could call a lot more when he goes to the rim. Um, I think it's like a lot of times because he's so strong, he doesn't get the call when he goes to the rim. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's played through that, and he just really kind of brings that intensity constantly. I mean, I guess it's what you expect of a guy who's got the experience that he does, and he wants to end his career on a high note. Is there concern for you with, with how poor this team is shooting the three-point shot? Again, th- th- they're streaky, and they can be really good for a little while, but they're last in the Sun Belt in conference games in, in three-point percentage. Is, is that a concern for you moving forward? I mean, it's a concern that it's happened, but I don't know if I really really expect it to continue. I mean, it's, you know, we know that they've got guys that can shoot. They've got, you know, they play – at times, there's five guys on the court that you feel like have the green light to shoot the three. Um, so I would think, you know, I would think things have to kind of even out, and they won't be the worst three-point shooting team in the conference by the time things go. And, you know, maybe it'll work out for them that they get really hot right at the right time when tournament time comes or something, because, you know, just the law of averages say some of these guys have got to hit some more shots than they have like just based on their careers, um, you know, or maybe it's a matter where, you know, a guy like Terrence Edwards is a 40% three-point shooter. Maybe they need to be trying to get more shots from him, but maybe he shoots that percentage because he's, his shot selection has gotten a lot better too. Yeah, no question. We're talking to Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. Is the Dukes are on the road this week. They go uh... – to ODU on Thursday, Appalachian State Saturday. This four-game stretch, again, four on the road and four at home. If they want to have any chance to uh, to compete for a Sunbelt championship, probably go three and one in this stretch, but even two and two puts them in a spot where they can probably get a, a top-four seed because they're tied for fourth right now. Um, that's got to be the goal right now, isn't it? Get one of those top-four seeds? I, yeah, I think so. You mean, you got to finish strong. Um, it's a huge, huge advantage yep. to finish in the top four and only need to win three games to to win the tournament. Um, but, you know, I, I think they're definitely capable of that, but it's so bunched up right now, there's not it a lot is. of room for error. I mean, we haven't. they're getting ready to go play at ODU, and we haven't talked about them being one of the teams that's in the mix because there's nine teams ahead of them, but they're only a game back mm-hmm. of JMU in fourth. Like, it, it's that bunched up in the conference right now. 
What are your thoughts on the games this week? Let's start with ODU. Again, it's a team that, that is much different than they were a year ago. They've been up and down, but they have some good wins. They have some bad losses. They're 5-5. Five and five. They're right around 500 this year, 13-9 overall. But um, this will be a good challenge for JMU the, to, to renew this rivalry. Um, they had a good game a year ago. It was a grinded-out game with the AUBC early in the season, but they'll, they'll, meet, this will be, they'll meet twice in, in two weeks here coming up. Uh, when they play on Thursday, and then they'll play again Thursday at home on the 16th. But um, this will be a good matchup on Thursday, I think. Yeah, as much as the home home court advantage that JMU's had the past two games, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be loud. It's going to yeah. be a lot of people at uh, ODU. I mean, for a program that's not that's struggling relatively, probably to what their fans' expectations are, um, they still lead the conference in attendance. Um, it's a big rivalry. They're going to be fired up for that one. They they love to beat JMU in anything as much as JMU loves to beat ODU in anything. Um, so I think that's going to be a challenge. But JMU's also played well in that kind of environment at times. So I think JMU's probably the deeper, more talented team, but it's not going to be easy down there. And then App State on Saturday, that's almost a must-win because they lost to App earlier, and those two teams are, are, are two of the three teams tied for fourth right now in the conference. That'll be a big win in Boone on Saturday. Yeah, it'll be a huge one because, you know, it's another place where teams have a lot of Sunbelt teams have really kind of struggled there in Boone. Um, and, you know, yeah, if you're JMU, I feel like, you know, you go back to that App State game at home, that was – probably the most disappointed I've seen buying to since he got here. Like, I agree. That was the one that he just like really felt like there was no excuse for the way they played. And you know, I don't want to say no excuse for losing, but they fell behind by 20 against that team. And like, you know, so I would think they'll be pretty fired up for another shot at them. But, um, you know, it's one of those road swings where, you know, it's not that far from Norfolk to, um, to Boone, but I don't think it's an easy trip. You know, by any means, you're not just kind of like dipping down the highway like you would. I'm assuming. Are you guys going from uh, from Norfolk to Boone, or do you come back to Harrisonburg? We're talking to Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. Read more of his stuff online at dnronline.com/sports. And we'll switch to the women now. You know, they were playing so well. They were leading the Sun Belt, and then they go on the road, and, and anything can happen on the road. They beat Coastal by 21 at home, beat Georgia State at home, but they lose both games on the road. Were you shocked with the two losses last week? Yeah, I was shocked that they lost both. Um, you know, it's not that surprising to drop one on the road, but yeah, they've been playing so well. Um, they played so well away from home. They, you know, kind of talked about how they enjoy getting away and being together and have handled that so much. And then, you know, it, it was a coastal team that they beat handily at home that, you know, frankly, I think they're, you know, much better than. Um, so I was I was really surprised they lost that one. Um, you know, Georgia State seemed like it was going to be a tough one based on what happened in Harrisonburg, but but I kind of thought they would respond pretty well to losing uh, at Coastal. So yeah, it, it's surprising. I, I think they'll bounce back. Um, his teams typically do, but you know, it, it puts them from being really in the driver's seat to win the conference to. Now you've got to, you know, not only finish strong, but probably get some help uh, along the way with the teams in the Western Division that are tied with you. We're talking to Shane Metlin from the Daily News Record. JMU on the road again this week in women's play. They play at South Alabama Thursday, Saturday at Georgia Southern. Was there a common denominator when you looked at the two games against Coastal and Georgia State this past week on, on what they struggled with that, that, that 
again, kind of led to their losses? Well, I mean, as red hot as Peyton McDaniel had been, um, you know, she just, you know, wasn't shooting particularly well. And, uh, you know, the, the theme had been that they had found offense other places than Keith Jefferson, and they didn't quite have it, you know, in a couple of those games. And, uh, you know, also just, you know, didn't get a chance to watch them live, but it, it just kind of seemed like, you know, when I checked in on them and watched a little bit of replays and stuff, like, it just we're lacking a little bit of energy for some reason. And I don't know exactly what that is. Talk to Sean O'Regan tomorrow and, you know, ask him about it. But, um, yeah, it, it's just surprising. I bet teams, even some really good teams, go through those stretches where they lose a couple in a row and you're kind of wondering what's wrong. And uh, they get it together. So I don't think it's panic time yet, but it definitely puts them in a, a tougher spot than they were just a few days ago. What do you make of the matchups this week at South Alabama and Georgia Southern? Obviously, Southern beat them here a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, that's another one where I would think that they would, uh, you know, be pretty motivated to come back and, you know, respond in that one. But, you know, when you look at it being three of the last four, they got up to play a really good Troy team. But, you know, they've lost three of the last four, including Georgia Southern. You know, can't take anything for granted. Can't say I know a ton about South Alabama, but um, – I think they have like a really good chance to respond. I mean, these are games that are winnable on the road, and if you get a couple road wins, that's always huge. But yeah, I mean, without really kind of having a chance to talk to them yet, it's hard to know exactly kind of where they stand on everything. Yeah, we'll talk to, to Coach O'Regan coming up tomorrow, along with Coach Bank. Then they'll have their media sessions as always every Tuesday. Shane, I appreciate your time as always. Thanks, my man. I appreciate it. Everybody read more of his stuff online, dnronline.com slash sports. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, Dave.